Welcome to the Awakened Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Brooks Ellis. This is going to be a fun journey talking about spirituality, health, nutrition. It's kind of a personal podcast for me, and I'm excited to share it with you. I hope you enjoy. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the Awakened Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Brooks Ellis. I'm here with my guest today, Lexi Jill. Diaz. So I'm going to give a little introduction real quick. And I think it's important because uh, Lexi has been a really good friend of mine, specifically for the past four years in 2019. That's when we started hanging. So I I knew her from football. She was a, uh, she worked at the Jones Center and that's where we first met back in 2016. Um, She went to the CrossFit gym that I that I uh, frequented for the next couple of years. And I saw her there. And then in 2019, we just, we got coffee one day and it was a really good conversation. And I just felt seen and heard for the first time in a really long time. And that began a very strong friendship that was involved in many walks and uh, excursions and whatever throughout Fayetteville. And I'm very grateful for that, Lexi, throughout this time, because it was a very tough time for me mentally and physically. I was going through a lot post-football and just trying to find my identity and trying to find arts. And so she helped me. She was there for me when when I needed her most. And so I'm very appreciative of her. And I wanted to let you know that and and let everybody else know that. Like she is, she means a lot to me. And um, so I'm excited to get her on the podcast and and share her what she knows to the world. She knows a lot about, it's it's less about what she knows and more about how she feels actually. So you're going to, we're going to see this. I got to scoot into it. Actually, it's, it's hard to uh, really extract what she knows because she does. She never. She never knows. It's a more of a feeling. That's true. I do know things. It's just about what I feel first. And that's good. And that's why I want. I want to share that with people. And so today's going to be. It's going to be fantastic. And I cannot wait to share it with everybody. So let's dive in. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the Welcome Athlete Podcast. Um, so today's the winter solstice. It is? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. The, the darkest day of the year. Darkest day of the year. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Well, first, let me say that two years ago on this day, we went to an ecstatic dance. Do you remember? That's true. I know Oklahoma City. <laughs> that was, no, that was the first one we went to. The second one we went oh, to. Oh, it was in Bentonville, yeah. Do you, do you do ecstatic dances anymore? No. <laughs> either. No, yeah. That was that was a fun time, but I'm glad it's over. It might not be a, it's not over for good, but for this season it's over. Yeah. What was your question? What is this winter solstice? Well, in Chinese medicine or in life or what? Just what does it mean to you? I mean, I don't really think about it. Okay. At all. But the darkest day of the year. The darkest day of the year. Is there a relation between the winter solstice and Jesus's birth? No, Jesus There's was not? not born in December. Okay. He was born like in the spring. Actually, Christmas is really pagan. Not Christian at all, but yeah, okay, yeah, so no, but let me tell you about the winter solstice in um Chinese medicine. Perfect, so you have the yin and the yang balance, and the like fall is the transition from total yang in the spring and it transitions into total yin in the winter, and then after that darkest day, which is yin within yin, you turn that corner and you it's now the progress back to the yang, which is the spring and summer. So you have the spring is the is the turning point again from now yin winter to total yang, which is summer. 
And so, so yin, yin, yin and yang are a balance of two opposing forces. Yes. Yin is like cold, damp, dark, death. Yeah, not, I mean, yes, dark, dark yeah. Dark, and not death, also like nourishment. So like if you think about soil, it's dark, it's moist, it, but it also helps roots grow. It like goes deep. So it's like receiving. Yeah, there's just like a lot of nourishment in yin. So learning how to like slow down. Like we sleep at night because yin is, that's the yin time of day. And so it's the time that our bodies restore, our minds restore, our muscles and then blood, all that stuff. And then during the day when the sun, because the moon is yin and the sun is yang. So at the day that you have, you know, during the day you have the sun, which now it dries dampness, but it also makes things grow. Things can't grow without, mm -hmm. so you need like the darkness, the depth, the soil, the nourishment with the yin and then you need like the sun the warmth the energy the energy comes from the sun so there is those like opposite things and so the winter solstice is um the yin like total yin and then you have the summer solstice which is totally y'all mm -hmm. which is the midsummer what call it. so mom's birthday oh that's cool june 21st she's she's got a lot of energy she that that fits her yeah she does very young yeah energy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you need the you need to be yeah <laughs> You need the balance. Yeah, you do need the balance. And and it's like, even in Chinese medicine, when we're looking at like disease or sickness or health that you're looking for, people are not supposed to be totally one or the other. There needs to be a balance because even if you have someone who would characterize, be characterized as like very young personality and we're not, we are talking about masculine feminine, but we're also talking about that like energy. And so, you know, females can be super young, like just the way they are. Or they could be super yin, guys, you know, men can be super yin, super yang, whatever. But regardless of that, there needs to be the balance between the two because that's where the health is going to be, like the harmony within the body. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be certain process, like birth is a very yin within yang. It's very well balanced because you have to have the yang to like bring life happening, you know, to happen. But then you need like that nine months, which is very yin to nourish the baby. So you have those like always play roles in every like life process in the world, whether it's in nature, whether it's in our bodies, whether it's in career relationships, friendships, exercise, the way we move our body, even, even foods have their energies. Like if someone is, for example, maybe like depressed or they have like more softness in their body or whatever, like you want to kind of nourish that young because it will kind of like get that energy kind of a burst. So even food is very like good medicine in when people are, and the opposite would be the same is like, if someone's like really, really like, let's say irritable and can't sleep and, you know, super like really like just like headaches or like super young there, it doesn't mean that they need to like remove young things from their diet, but it means like they're lacking some sort of nourishment at the time that that turn of the day is happening. So like quiet rest, winding down is like really important. Wait, could you say that all disease stems from a yin-yang imbalance? I mean, that's a big statement and there's going to be a lot of people that disagree, but I, I personally think that, and I think that that's what Chinese medicine says. So why do you, you personally think it is, is that due to experience or due to your studies in, in Chinese yeah, medicine? Yeah, I think like, so we can get in the religious part in just a second, but as far as like, like I'm a believer, like I believe in Jesus, that like, that is my like spiritual walk faith. And um, I think that even at creation, the Lord really used, I don't think he called it yin and yang, but he, there was these principles when creation happened, yin and yang. And when he created us, I think that we were created in that harmony. 
you know, and then if we want to just go here, you know, there's like sin and there's all these things in the world that kind of takes away that harmony. And so our like purpose and when we're living, like I think is to pursue that within the Lord, obviously. But I think that there's that wisdom that we can see in, in a medical way. Yeah. So from a li- religious perspective, like the yin and the yang, the sin and the like he- heaven and hell, like without, I think something I've read lately, and I think C.S. Lewis talks about it, but you you have to have the, the choice. You have to choose God instead of, and if there wasn't a choice, then there'd be, there's, yeah. that's not love. Like just, okay, if everything was perfect all the time. Yeah. That's not choosing love. Day. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, on this earth, there's a choice. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, all so that's related to the yin and the yang. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that the way he created us and in our bodies, I feel like in this study, I'm learning more about like the Lord's character and how like there is this, there's always this opposing study. What do you mean study? Just like my like school study, like Bible study, but also like school study of like I'm oh, learning more about how he created our bodies and how he created our minds and our hearts and all these things. And you know, we're we live in a fallen world, and so our fleshly desire is is to pursue ourselves, is to, we're the gods, we want to do everything for ourselves, what feels good, what's best, what what we want versus living in the spirit, which is being spirit led. And so, you know, Paul talks about in all of the epistles and like the New Testament talking about pursuing the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh. And so I don't know how that would be tied back to, like, you know, yin and yangness per se, I'm sure you can get there, but um, just making sure that like even, and, and this is like big in what I'm studying as well, like school, that it is it is really easy to fall into the world's like, oh, I need to do what's best smart for myself, or I need to like pursue what feels good or what's right or my truth. And it's like, well, my percept or my like belief is there's only one truth. And so you're either getting towards that truth, which is Christ, or you're not. And so it's like, I'm either going to establish a relationship with the Lord, grow that relationship, and I'm going to be walking in the spirit or at least trying, you know, daily working at my faith or I'm not. And there's no, like, there's not really any in between. How do you cultivate that? knowing of I'm doing this for the spirit instead of doing it for myself. Um, I think he, I mean, he gave, he gave us his word. So when you read scripture, um, you're learning his character. You're learning the father's heart. When you read scripture, the Holy spirit kind of inspires you to understand for interpretation and understanding. And that's the one, like, that's the main thing that we have to be able to understand God's characters. Like we read old Testament, new Testament, maybe a supplemental, um, studies, whether it's like devotion or C.S. Lewis, or even like, you know, certain books of the Bible that actually are not in our normal Bible. But I think the more you learn that, the more you understand God's character. And the more when you're in the world or in decision or whatever, you can recognize the spirit versus the flesh. You can recognize what the world says versus what Christ says. And I think those are very different things, you know, and they look counterculture when you're, when you're living in the spirit, when you're, you know, following the Lord, when you're pursuing that kind of life, which is an internal perspective that doesn't really make sense in the world all the time. Like it it can, I think that some people, you know, see people like, oh, they're a good person or they're pursuing good things or whatever, but what's the motivation? Is it, is it self? Is it self? Is it, you know, selfish? Yeah. Self-gratification for financial gain, for popularity. Yeah. Or is it, I'm everything I'm doing, my thoughts, my actions, my everything, is it going to bring glory to the Lord? And that is a pretty like yes or no question. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what I think. <laughs> I love it. What is Slash the, feel. <laughs> what is love? God is love. Like his character. Like I know that that's like. A, no, that's a God. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to take it, take it however you want. I think love is not. A feeling. 
I think love is an action. I think that feelings can happen that feel good. And there's like chemical releases and all this kind of stuff. But love, one of the, one of the ministry schools I went to in Africa years ago, she had a saying and she pointed to scripture in the way that Jesus shows us this. And even God, like in the old Testament, love always looks like something. So, you know, the Greek have several words for what love means. There's different kinds of love, but Eros, is that one of them? Eros. And I don't remember all of them, but yeah, that's one of them. So love is action. Love is like, <laughs> love compels you to action. So you're, you're demonstrating it. And so, I don't know. I think that we only think about like relational love, which is important. I think the Lord created, you know, man and woman to be married and to like live in that way. But love also can look like your neighbor, your friends, your family, you know, animal, you know, like there's that love that the way you treat someone, the way you show love is an action, you know? And I think it's really hard to say that you feel something for someone and or you're not putting forth effort or showing in that in some way, you know? Mm-hmm. And we're not talking like acts of service in like the love language. It's like, yeah, that's a thing. You know, that's someone's love language. But just like choosing to care for someone through your actions that shows that you thought about them or that you, you know, X, Y, Z. So I think love is an action. I don't think it's a feeling like the world tells us. I think that's, that's a big difference is that the world says it's a feeling. How you choose a partner, how you hang out with people. Oh, like I want to feel something. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm a big feeler. I want to feel something too, but that's not sustaining. Feelings come and go. Feelings are like the wind, you know, and they're not set. And so action is. And I think that the more you act, the more you can have that feeling, I guess that matches that, but mm-hmm. I don't think it, stems from going yeah so it's just it's not just going to happen but it's a lot that's a big question yeah. well it was related to to god and what he wants for us and, and i yeah. think love um something i learned the other day from john piper's book don't waste your life it's a great book he talks about how love is not or love is um, doing doing the hard thing mm-hmm. doing what is needed for the other person what the other person needs not what the other person wants yeah if a baby's crying for food, obviously you're going to give him food, right. but let's like, like a toddler, if he's crying and wants like, oh, I, like I'm, he wants uh, his, his candy or, candy yeah, or Xbox or whatever it is. Yeah. Like obviously he wants, he wants the thing that he thinks he wants, but you being in a, in a higher position, a superior position, because you know better about what's best for him or her, right? You're going to yeah. give him what he needs. They need. Right. And love, so love is not, you know, God is not going to give us what we want. All the time. All the time, right? I do think he does. Yeah. So. Well, he's going to give us what we need to fulfill his purpose for us on, exactly. this, on the earth. Yeah. And same thing, like when we in our relationships, it's not about giving the other person what they what they want right. or satisfying their emotions. Like this is going to make them satisfied. No, sometimes it's going to be a hard conversation. Sometimes it's going to say it's going to mean that they're going to have to face the truth about what needs what needs to happen. And if they're not willing, like you, you as a loving friend, family member, if you're not willing to say that to them, then you're not doing your job as a, as a fellow, whoever you are to that person. Yeah. Person. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that things that are uncomfortable, people shy away from. Like that doesn't mean that if it's uncomfortable, it doesn't always mean it's bad. It can mean that it's fruitful, fruitful or life. It's probably good. (laughs) But I think that that going back to the toddler like scenario, that's the difference between the flesh and the spirit. Like as we grow and mature in what that looks like, I'm not going to say that people's desires go away of the flesh. Like we're always going to fight that on this earth. But I think that you start to cultivate that discipline knowing like, is this something I want? Or is this something I need? Is this something that is going to glorify the Lord? Or is this something that the world? tells you you know what I mean and I think that those things you grow in that maturity you grow in that understanding but a kid they're totally young they're total 
the flesh. They're told like, satisfaction right now. I want the candy. I want the toy. I want the this. I want, you know, like they want now. Mm -hmm. They don't understand that like, maybe they don't need that, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think it's related to God's, you know, the father giving us, like, we don't know what we need. Yeah. We, we don't know. And so we need to ask him and we need to study the word and spend time in prayer and spend time with people that are helping us realize those needs and realize like this is what he's telling us we need to do and it's not going to be fun all the time well and jesus like even before he died on the cross like he asked god if there's any way that you can take this away please do but then he said but your will be done and so that was like him also showing his humanity of like i'd really rather not die on the cross you know what i mean like we even see humanity that we have in christ and so but he still chose the father's will and so i think that in prayer the best way i have found to being like deciphering whether this is a flesh want or like a spirit need or want is like in prayer just asking my asking the lord to make my heart more like it's like give me that understanding because if because if I'm pursuing his will, then like, I'm less, it's, I'm not going to say it's like eliminates temptation or flesh or whatever, but it, it gets my eyes focused on something different and something more kingdom mindset of like, Hey Lord, I really would love this in my life or have a desire, have a want or whatever, but your will be done. You know, I'm, I'm yielding to that. I'm surrendering to that because you know, better. you know, like, you know, better as a father than what I know. Like, I can't see all the things, you know, I can't. I don't know people's hearts. I don't know 10 years down the road. I don't know these things. So in what I can see right now, this is what I want, or this is what I think would be good. But at the end of the day, you're the one that is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the one that sees all things. And so like, I may not be seeing something, you know? And so change my heart to my doors is like kind of the prayer that I have found to be where peace lies. I guess. I mean, you still want that, you know, you still like yeah. desires, you're still human, but being able, like, I think the more you practice yielding to that and like trusting that the Lord does hear you and does know what our hearts are because we're his children. He's not a bad dad, you know, like, but I think that he can see things that we can. And that sucks sometimes to be in the waiting, but it, it grows our endurance with our faith, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so faith is something that I've always, struggled with a lot and i've always through through football through education i like having like a, a plan mapped out for me i know exactly what i'm doing this and this and this and this and then i can just kind of i can just go yeah and then you know when i got out of education or out of undergrad and out of football it was just kind of wide open and yeah. it was kind of chaos for me. yeah um, i didn't know what i wanted to do and all this stuff but the faith aspect of it and just trusting in him is such a important piece and just knowing that whatever whatever happens if you if you spend time with him he's he's going to lead you in the right direction yeah. and no matter what like i just feel like over the past year or so tell me tell me about your like what's happened with you like because you've gone through a, a crazy journey yeah <laughs> Yeah. yourself so let, let's go into that so let's go into let's talk about your back let's talk about start with undergrad i guess okay well let's, let's start with okay so where'd you grow up i grew up in edmond oklahoma in the country in the country <laughs> on yeah. the farm right yeah so were you milking cows or like what so we just lived like you know in the country and my dad raised cattle he's highway patrol like long so it's mom's school teacher but also we had horses so he would like do farrier work and i was just around livestock all my life and honestly now that i look back at that i don't know that there's ever been a time that i was like oh i hated that but you know we didn't have like a neighborhood to hang out with kids. Like we didn't, we couldn't go down the street and hang out with people. Like it was a whole thing to drive into town and get a friend to spend the night or to go to a birthday party. You know, it was a whole thing. 
And um, I joke now because like, I remember being so mad that my mom would be like, okay, we're getting everything done, you know, in town. You got to go to the grocery store. We're not coming back. I remember thinking like, we can just come back. Like, it's fine. But now I understand. I'm like, no. So now you feel me. Yeah. Yeah. Like now. I don't want to go over here and over here. Let's, let's make this efficient. And so I understand that, but it's just, I'm saying all that because growing up in the country, I really got to see that balance of beginning of like livestock being slaughtered so that we can eat the beef or growing cattle to sell. You know, like I saw this like life cycle over and over and, over. and we had friends that were farmers that like had like profits. And so it's like, you depend on when he created the sun and the moon, when he created Adam and Eve, when he created animals, water, earth, like mm-hmm. all of those things have the balance within the Lord because finances are sometimes tight. You really need the rain for things to grow or not. You know, like you really have this like faith that when you live outside of town where all your needs can be met in a, you know, blink of an eye, there's this faith piece that's in the background at all times of like, I know now as an adult, like, and my parents like wouldn't care that I'm saying this, but like we were always strapped for finances and it's like, they had such this, I don't, they didn't really talk about it, but I remember my dad, you know, always saying like, well, pray we get some rain and it's like a very country thing to say, but they're serious. And like, and you know, you pray that your animals are healthy and you pray all of these things because like, there's nothing in your control. Essentially you're being a steward of what the Lord is giving you, but you're also really, really dependent on him for external environment environmental factors, you know? And so I think that I didn't realize that obviously until now when, you know, you reflect on all the things. And I remember saying like, oh, I can't wait to live in town or whatever. And when I came up here to college, so I moved to Fayetteville for, for my first undergrad. And um, I remember living in the dorms and I was like, I can just walk everywhere. I could go to the grocery store, I could go to the mall. Like everything was so close. And as I like grew and and realized like, wow, that was a good experience. And I'm beyond grateful like for Fayetteville. Now I kind of live on the outskirts of town where it's like, obviously I can get to town really quickly, but like have my space, you know? And I don't know, there's, there's that that I would say that was the beginning of that faith. Anyways, I came here for school the first time and got a degree in political science and social work because my dad and I had a deal. Actually, before I even came to this school, I was pre-med. I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon and, um, classic. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy anatomy. (laughs) Um, so I was looking for a school, you know, that pre-med. Well, then I was like, well, and, and really the only reason I wanted to do that is because I wanted to do this. This is the coldest coffee I've ever had. <laughs> Just sitting on the ground. Yep. Um, Sorry. No, you're fine. I only wanted to go to school because I had a deal with dad that if I got a degree, I could go overseas and do shit. Because from a very young age, I felt very called to do like overseas mission work. He was like, you need to still need a degree. You're not going over there, you know just willy nilly, you know, because I don't know, he's a dad. And so he knew best the time, whatever. So we made the, you know, bet or not bet, but the agreement that, you know, I would come here to get education, whatever. Well, you get here. And then I'm like, I'm going to be in school for 10 years. And it's like funny because I could have been a G by now, but it's, <laughs> um, you know, hindsight's 2020. And so I switched my major to nursing because I was like, that'll be quicker. I'll still be able to do the medicine and like get out of school. Well, then I have to take chemistry. And I was like, I'm not taking chemistry. Like it's not happening. So then I switched because I was like, okay, the deal was just, I just need to get a degree. I need to be medicine. And even though I like deeply had that like draw to like help people on for like health reasons, 
I switched to anthropology or something like that in communications and I was really milking it. I was like, dad, anthropology, the study of cultures and the communication, I could spread the gospel. You know, I was like, he's like, are you ever going to graduate? I, anyways, eventually graduated. And well, the political science and social work, I was like, I just need to get out. Just get me a degree so I can believe. And then I went through a really hard season where I had five different jobs trying to make ends meet. And during that time, I went through what was what I would call a wilderness season of like, Lord, like all I'm asking is that I could just go live in the dirt across the world. Like that's all I'm asking. Why is that so hard? I don't want to be in America. I don't want to get more education. I don't want to be here. And the people that were really, really instrumental in that, Josh Moyer was one of them. Um, and I remember this diagram he drew on this whiteboard and he was like, Lexi, I understand your heart. And like, it was really cool because I had a lot of dads here. It was really sweet. They were all really precious. And I remember his illustration of like, you know, you're in this vehicle and in order to change lanes, you need to change lanes to be able to get to an exit. But there's there's steps to be able to change vehicles and change, you know, and I was just like, this is stupid. I hate this. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that was a season. In that season, I actually got a job at the athletic. That was like the end of the five jobs. And so at that time, I was like, you know what? I'll go to law school. I'll do international law, yeah. which is comical to think yeah, of Lexi yeah. as a lawyer. Um, but actually, I got accepted to the University of Arkansas and I took the LSAT twice and did the whole thing. But I remember then calling my dad and I was like, dad, I can't go to law school. Like, I'll get eaten alive. Like, I feel too much. I'm not going to present evidence. Like, I don't want to wear a black pencil skirt. Like, I just, this is not me. It felt suffocating. So I got the job at the athletic department and my boss at the time, who's an awesome man of God. And he was like, Lexi, you have a job until you figure out what you're doing with your life. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> and so that's where I sat at the desk and I met you. And at the time though, I got really involved in CrossFit and like nutrition and stuff. And so that was kind of the pivot point of like all this other stuff to health and athletes. And so at the time sitting there, I just remember talking to all these different athletes and realizing that, okay, well, maybe they're freaks of nature and have great like ability. I don't know what they put their life. No one's asked them their dreams or their desires or no one's asked them about their heart. And so the amount of times I like talk to you guys about like your heart or your dreams or whatever, I just was like, I want to work with athletes because I think that they're a population that are really glorified for their physical ability, but no one takes care of like inner part yeah. and, or no one asks about. And so it's like, cause what happens if you don't go pro? What happens if, you know, you're a basketball player and you break, you know, like what happens if that doesn't go as you dream or plan or your family brings enforces it? Yeah. What, ha what happens when your whole family, your whole life has been, okay, you can make it to the NFL. You're all your coaches are saying that you're going to be able to do it. Yeah. Family is telling you you're going to be able to do it. You're going first round. Yeah. All of a sudden, maybe you get injured. Maybe yeah. you don't go first round. Maybe everyone's been going with smoke and you're really, you're, you don't go undrafted, barely make a team. And then yeah. life is, your life Changed. is, you're, the, the rug is swept out from under you. Yeah. Right. So um, it's, that's a, it's, it's going to change your life really because yeah. you, you don't expect it. that was. And that was all of those things. I felt like the Lord was teaching me while, while sitting behind that desk of like thinking, you know, oh my gosh, I'm just an administrative assistant and like a greeter. But it was really, really sweet because in that season, the Lord taught me a lot about like other people's hearts and how to kind of like love them through that unknowing, you know? And so anyways, during that time, I studied for a year to sit for the CSCS, wanted to work with Coach Herb and was starting to like get 
that going when they got fired. Bless their hearts. <laughs> um, and well, then, Coach Herbert's doing just fine. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, but at the time, they all got fired. And so I, because because the guy that hired me, he was like, "All you need to be able to work in the athletic department is a master. Just go back and get your master's." And I was like. I kind of tried to force myself to do that and I don't do anything that my heart's not in. So like I try to take a class that's this not I'm not getting I'm not sitting in an office for, for the rest of my life wearing business casual. No offense, people love that, but I did not. And I was just like, I can't do that. And so that was kind of the turning point of like, you know what? I'll meet the athletes where they are. I'm not gonna force them to come to a program. I'll go be a physical therapist for football or for sport, whatever. And um so I started studying for the CSCS. I did all that. And then I ended up quitting my job at the athletic department because I didn't have any science to go to physical therapy school. So I went back, got a second undergrad in kinesiology. And that's kind of when I started my business, Kokoro Sports Performance, is that I want, and Kokoro in Japanese means to merge the mind, body, and spirit into action. And so that was the piece is like, okay, these athletes know what to do with their body. They're very good at it. But what about the mind and the spirit part? Because their mind, you're going to have, you know, you have sports psychology for a reason. There's a mental aspect. And then you have the spirit piece. It's like, if you, you know, eventually, like people can survive, you know, not knowing what their spirit's doing or what internally, but eventually that will catch up with you. And so my heart in starting that was to work with athletes in a nutrition way, in a recovery, like body way, and then also in the training piece. And it's like to merging all of those, my heart was that that would be a well-rounded athlete because not only do they know their body's ability, but they have these other pieces that it's going to carry them through failure or disappointment or injury or whatever. And so I'm going to fast forward. All that happened. I ended up working for a really incredible physical therapy clinic here in town. And through that, that was, they gave me a great opportunity. I learned a ton, but actually. It was Adam Taylor. Um, he was a part of that group. It's called Trainer. Yeah, it's here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually I, I applied for PT, you know, got all my hours applied and got waitlisted and COVID happened. And I was just like, it was kind of a waiting moment of like, do I actually want to go to physical therapy school or no? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a, I had to figure out like an identity piece of like, okay, was I going to that because I didn't know what else to do. And I still wanted to do medicine in some way, but like, and then I kind of threw a lot of prayer and like asking people for guidance. I decided to go full-time with Kokoro and not with PT school. Um, because my heart was, I think PT is great. I think it serves its purpose. It's really great. But once again, I was going to be in a Western institution that didn't really sit by with me with the way I wanted to like work with medicine. With athletes. So decided to not do that did full-time Kokoro. And then we fast forward to like, now I'm getting my doctorate in Chinese herb medicine and acupuncture because it felt like that path was more of a holistic thing that like my heart is driven towards and finding the root causes of things. And instead of just putting band-aids, you know, obviously PT is amazing when you have you know surgery, you need to rehab it. They're experts at that. And that's great. But that just didn't, I was pursuing that. And I had to have all of those, that kinesiology actually to get in the school that I have now. So like God knew that I didn't know that. You know, like when I decided not to go to PG school, I was like, well, I just got more debt, got more school for no reason. You know, like I, I'm going to put that. And then, you know, a year and a half later, I realized, oh, I'm going to go. So it's just kind of funny in that way. Like I, none of the piece was wasted. None of the process was wasted. But at the time I couldn't see that, you know? So now, yeah, I'm studying Chinese medicine, which is a very opposite system than Western medicine. So. Okay. Let's, let's speak to that. Okay. So you said, you said Western didn't sit right with you for a couple of reasons. Right. 
maybe the root cause, just the philosophy of it. Okay, so talk about why Eastern or Western. So Western, let me say this. Western, also, let's 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 steel man the Western. That's a, medicine argument. Okay, so what I was gonna say though is that I think Western medicine is very very good for acute. Like it's very, it has a purpose. It's not completely. Also, does everybody like my um, <laughs> Manila folder that I'm using as a notepad instead of an actual journal or notebook? It's you look like a you look like a counselor right now. <laughs> I am a counselor. Um, I told you psychoanalysis. Um, Western medicine is very good for acute. So you break a bone, obviously go to the yeah. like you know. Actually, there's bones having Eastern medicine, but we'll get to that later. You know, there's like specific things that they Western medicine has been developed for that reason. But when we're talking about the longevity of someone's life and like lifestyle and sustainability within your health and preventative medicine. I personally don't think it's a good, you know, some people, you know, take pharmaceuticals in Western medicine that like cause a slew of other problems, you know, and it's like, maybe it did cure that one thing, not cure it. It's maintaining or temporarily fixing one thing, but it's also causing these other things that now I need to take three other medications for to like, table those, you know? And so, whereas Eastern medicine, and let me also say this, there are a lot of Eastern medicine practitioners that are not as extreme as myself. So if you go seek an Eastern medicine practitioner, you need to ask them their own philosophy because we're given all the same foundation, but what you do with it is different. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be a very extreme, like holistic practitioner. Whereas like, I believe that acupuncture can be used for a, of everything and herbal medicine for everything versus there'll be some people that are not going to practice that way. Um, Do you think it's extreme to be holistic? In today's world, yes. I don't think I'm extreme in person. Why is it extreme? Because it's just so different. People are not taught that. Like we did not grow up in that system. We grew up in a Western system that, you know, there's school nurses and you have to get vaccines to go to school and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I personally don't think that is a, correct system anymore you know mm. or was it ever i don't know but that's what we grew up in and so it just took time education of a different you know so i think that there are you know people that also know some similar knowledge of eastern medicine and be our practitioners but they're not going to practice that way because that's just not their thing but in acupuncture and eastern medicine we're looking at the root cause we're looking why someone keeps having headaches why someone keeps injuring tendon ligament you know there's orthopedic acupuncture like there's there's ways to find out why things keep reoccurring you know reoccurring things it's like well a reoccurring thing okay so someone maybe has gi issues well that doesn't mean you just need to take more probiotics and medication it's like well there's something wrong with your digestive system why you know like what is the root of that mm -hmm. why does it keep presenting why are you allergic to all these foods or why do you have all these allergies or why do you have asthma or why do you have allergies or why do you have eczema? You know, like all of these things in Eastern medicine, there's a root for, for it. And I would also say, even in the, like, obviously I'm not a licensed practitioner yet, but I've had like some phone call conversations that people are kind of just done. Like, you know, they have good doctors, but they're like, I don't want to keep band-aiding things. I want to know why, you know, what is the root issue? And what makes me sad is there's, there's also good, a lot of good Western doctors. Like there's a lot of good ones, but these people that are calling me asking these questions, it's like they have these weird symptoms or signs or these weird things that Western medicine doesn't really have an explanation for. And I'm not saying that 
Eastern medicine is, you know, perfect. It's not. But when we look at the body or we look at someone's whole being, we're looking at patterns. So in Eastern medicine, there's like patterns that occur and everything goes into a pattern. There's not like a weird symptom that doesn't fit. Um, there's always patterns and then the patterns overlap. So understanding the pathology is really important. Understanding the cause, the effect, the effect, the, the root, someone has like, you know, genetics that play a role. It's like, well, your lifestyle is going to turn on those genes or turn off those genes, you know? And when people say, oh yeah, this is like just genetic. And I'm like, it's might be genetic, but you have influence over that. You know, your everyday patterns or lifestyle choices are going to affect those things, you know? And so it's not just this thing of like, well, it's genetics. I just am this. And that's just like, I mean, some people believe that and that's okay for them, but that's not what I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that we have control over things. Like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a, the, the genes load the gun, but the lifestyle and your behavior yeah. pulls the trigger on what is expressed mm -hmm. in your body. And they believe too along those lines, they believe too, like emotions are really huge with disease. If you have stored emotions, which I think we're learning this now in the world with like really therapy being really prevalent is like important is like, there are these repressed things that get stored in our bodies. It's called like somatic therapy mm -hmm. where our bodies store these things versus just like our minds. It's not just our minds. They're stored in our tissue as well. And so if someone goes through trauma or maybe not even trauma, but they have these repressed generational things. So the Chinese medicine perspective would believe that some of the the disease that manifests is because there's this underlying emotional imbalance or lack of healing, yeah, yeah. which is also really uh, controversial though to people. Oh, that's not a Western philosophy. At they all. don't want to, it's easier to say, oh, genetics or, oh, this is just how I am. Just give me something. Like, it's, it's hard work to do the internal work. I mean, yeah. you know, I know, you know, well, there's like, nothing physical about the emotions. You can't track the emotions. Right. You can't diagnose yeah. You know, you have a, like, I don't like emotional trauma and it's yeah. being stored here. Like you can't, yeah. there's nothing. Yeah. So Western medicine needs like uh, something to diagnose or something right. to like blood work or like right. something physical to look right. at. And you can't do that. Right. I think so. One of the things that really has helped me over the past months has been emotional work and just letting go of one, addressing a lot of previous traumas that I've held on to and just letting them go. Yeah. And releasing them. And a lot of it's just becoming aware of like, okay, this is what's happening and knowing in certain situations, like that's why these things, mm -hmm. like I'm getting a little stressed or worked up or yeah. like it's speaking in front of people. That's why, you know, I get so, I get so nervous and tense and my voice starts to croak and whatever it <laughs> yeah. is, you know? So, yeah. but emo the emotional work, like that's such a critical so, piece. Yeah. 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 And I think too, it's like finding someone, whether it's a significant other, a friend, a counselor, a coach of some sort to be able to find someone that you can trust those things with, because that's uncomfortable, you know, like who wants to share all of their like yuck and then be like, okay, well, do you still care? Do you still care about me? You know what I mean? Like we're human and it's, that's a lot of the work that's uncomfortable as well, that people would rather have something physical or tangible or something I can see and change and measure versus something internal that you are sharing with someone and hoping that they're still committed to you or still want to associate with you or, you know, like that's uncomfortable. Like that vulnerability is, really yeah. I think that's why people don't really, they don't want to do it. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Who wants to do that? No, nobody wants to do that. Like, I'll listen to someone else's feelings on vulnerable bits all the day, but it's a little a more tight lip. See, I'm telling you something uncomfortable. On camera. <laughs> Maybe another, next time off camera. Uh, no, no. You got to level up. You talk about prevention and the importance of preventing. Like, so in Western medicine, it's a lot of, okay, once the problem gets bad enough, that's when you go see a doctor. And that's why it's so, like, that's why Western medicine is so, it works so well when in those scenarios is because it's bad enough to where you have to go see a doctor. And in that scenario, you need something to, to tame the inflammation or yeah. tame the, the pain or whatever it is, just to, to get you to a bearable state. But is it different in Chinese medicine for like the preventative, making sure that you're doing things to keep your body in a more homeostatic state instead of always in a state of imbalance and then always having to do all the things once it gets bad enough to get it back to a state of homeostasis. It's like, what's, you talk about the difference there? So I would say, one of the biggest pieces is the the belief, which we've kind of started this in Western medicine, but not to the extent that they've had for thousands of years in Eastern medicine, where food is medicine. If you're going to eat a certain way and there's a way to eat and, it, and it's more seasonal. So like, for example, right now we're in winter. There's going to be a lot more root vegetables because those are very yin and you're going to eat things of the ground, a lot more red meat. Like it's very nourishing to your blood a lot of red versus, meat. versus like, you're not going to eat a lot of, or you're not going to drink a lot of cold things in the winter because it's already cold externally. So you're trying to keep things warm. Like there's ways that you eat with the seasons that are supposed to keep you in balance with the external. So in the summer, you're not, I mean, you need some warmth still because there's this, well, I won't go into that, but there's purpose for warmth all lives. But you're you're more likely to eat more fruits and watermelons and pears and cooling effects because external is hot. And do you think it because we're so disconnected from our food today, do you think it's harder? Like that's big... and nature. People don't people don't spend time outside. Like I do. So. Um, okay. You do, but <laughs> we're not talking about you. <laughs> um I'm good. Yeah. Um, like this being in the sun, which is like going to help you sleep better. You know, like there's a lot of things that are, that you can look at nature and reflect on your internally and you can find patterns or parallels. That's really important for preventive medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say seasonal eating, finding things that are in season and eating those things, because there's a reason that they're flourishing in that season. There's a reason that you harvest potatoes and beets and all those things in the winter versus the summer. So I'd say food is the biggest piece and sleep. They believe sleep is like supreme because it's, it's very much that yin and yang of like the yin is restoring like, and, and the nights, you know, it's dark longer. So you're going to go to bed earlier and you're going to wake up later. Mm -hmm. You're getting more sleep because it's that like restoration time. Um, the days are shorter. So it's a lot less young. So you're going to do less. You know, like it's people talk about the seasonal depression and they're like, oh, I just am so sluggish. I want to sleep all the time. And it's like in America, that's seen as lazy. In America, it's seen as like, oh, well, I still need to be productive. I'm going to have the same schedule year round. I'm going to be doing the same things. I'm going to still, you know, run it both into the wire and all this kind of stuff. When actually in other countries and then other like ancient medicines, you go with the season. So in the winter, you're doing less, you're resting more, you're being more nourishing, you're finding more downtime versus in the summer, the sun's up for way longer, you know? So you're gonna be a lot more energized. You're gonna have more daylight. You're gonna 
you know, be more productive. You're going to have more of that external energy to get things done because you're going with the cyclical seasons. Hmm. So I would say that, I mean, that's the easiest way that you don't need anything to do right now. Like I would say that's a preventative thing that anyone can do right now is, is start living with the seasons hmm. because you're, you're, you're finding that like medicine for nature, essentially. Yeah. One thing I like to, to teach is the, um, living with the sun. So when the sun comes up, that's when you, that's when you get up. That's when you eat. That's when you move. That's when you do your work. And then when the sun goes down, that's when you shut down. That's when yep. you stop eating. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. I was feeling cozy yesterday. Yeah, you were. All uh, day. <laughs> no, just after the run. Which was the rest of your day. Yeah. The most, most of the day. Yeah. That's why, you, that's why it's important to run the morning. Well, in the yeah, midday, really. In regard to acupuncture and herbs how important it is is it to to not just get it when you're sick right but consistently yeah in the same way that like we go get our cars oil changed or like that's such a cliche example but like hopefully people don't take their car and when it's like imperative you know well like, that's what i do so well, that's, i was trying not to single you out uh, you're getting yourself well um, you know if you get regular checks <laughs> That's when it's too late. That's when I take it in. And then it's thousands of dollars. In the same way of acupuncture, oh, if easy, someone easy. comes to me, if someone comes, no, I'm saying for the acupuncture pieces, if someone comes to me and they're like, I am sick, I or I am infertile, or I have cancer, or I have these things, it's right now, I'm going to need to see them multiple times a week, mm-hmm. which is expensive. Versus if you're getting acupuncture and herbs throughout the seasons, you're doing maintenance, like you can't guarantee that we live in this world. We have environmental factors that we can't control and people get sick. That's just like part of life. But there are ways that you can lessen that and not do it at the time that it's hard to do, you know, like, well, and even chiropractics, it's like people should probably be adjusted, but then they should also probably exercise and get body work done with their muscles worked on. Because if you have your spine out of alignment, which is what chiropractics do, they can put you back in alignment. but if you have an imbalance in your muscles, your body's going to pull it right back out of line. So you, it's important to keep that like maintenance in not just acupuncture and herbs, but in your body, like making sure that things are always working. And people, people are look well. Hopefully now that's changing, but people look at like massage and body work and chiropractics and acupuncture and herbs as like luxury appointments. When really. I, I personally, obviously I'm biased, but like, I think that those are things that should be in your regular routine in the same way people get their hair cut or go get with the dentist or get their eyes checked. Like those are things that people do on a normal schedule because they're prevented in the same way. If you wait till seven years, that's me. dentist, like hopefully you have good enough nutrition so that your teeth are fine, which mine are fine, but like mm-hmm. people will have cavities or they'll, you know, if you wait too long or your eyes don't get checked, they're like, there's, there's things that. I think that people should do throughout their life to make sure that there's not these big things that pop up. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I need to get in now. It's emergency. That's why they have the emergency room mm-hmm. in Western medicine, you know, like. Yeah, it's like emergency. It's almost concierge medicine. medicine. Yeah. I mean, there is that. Mm-hmm. I think that's, it is what it is. Do you believe in, do you have insurance? Like, what do you, what do you think about <laughs> Tell me about your belief in insurance. Wow, you're really trying to get spicy today. <laughs> Um, no, I don't have insurance and I haven't had insurance as long as I control that. I just pay out of pocket. Okay. So what's your philosophy there? I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm no, just, I'm I know, just, I know. 
I think it's related to what you Yeah, I'm trying to speak um, poised about insurance. Um, I think that there can be good. Like, I think if someone has a really, really large surgery that they obviously can't control, like it's really helpful to have things like that. But a lot of times it's not always covered by insurance, the things that you need help with most. So you pay this monthly premium. It doesn't make sense to me that people pay hundreds of dollars every month to their insurance when they might need to use it, but when they need to use it, it doesn't cut all the cost. So yeah. it's like, what just happened to all my $300 for the past 10 years every single month? Yeah. It's like, you still can't, you know, like that doesn't make sense to me. And I, and I think, especially if I'm paying per month, why can I not go get preventative acupuncture and they don't pay for that yeah. and so a lot of people talk to about, oh the insurance doesn't cover it well i'm like okay this is this is the most important thing that you could do for your health insurance isn't doing anything other than covering you when something big happens it's and not, even then they don't cover all yeah they don't cover they're all like well we only cover yeah it's like well this is five thousand dollars you know five hundred thousand dollars it's like well, let me give you this example. I will say this is where insurance is good, depending on your job, what kind of insurance you have. So my parents live in Oklahoma and my mom had cancer like 2021 and she had to have like a major, major surgery and she got one of her ears removed. So she doesn't have any, um, one of them. Got lymph nodes taken, swole, like glands, all this kind of stuff because there was cancer in it. Because of Oklahoma's like teacher and law enforcement insurance, it's so good that I think she paid out of like a $500,000 surgery, I think she paid maybe two grand. So that's a scenario, the insurance all of her life that she's never, my parents never went to the doctor. We never went to the doctor because we were all healthy. And so that's the case where she's paid into this for 30 plus years. And then when she needed it, it was important and it did help. But that's not everyone's case. That's not, I've heard more stories of the opposite where I've paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars all these years. And when I needed it the most, it still didn't. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's usually the story that you hear. You don't hear what my mom went through, which is you know, it's a huge blessing, but that's not everybody's case. You know, people go bankrupt because of medical bills. It's and one it's of like, the most common ways to go bankrupt. It's exactly. One of the leading causes. Of yeah. Medicine. And it's like, that doesn't, then why am I paying insurance if I'm going to go bankrupt if I have medical? Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And how much it costs to, to have a baby in a hospital, make sure that mom and baby are healthy. It's going to cost thousands of dollars. Like that doesn't make sense to me. So no, I don't have insurance. <laughs> I've seen a couple of friends of mine who've done live births, mm -hmm. like natural, like yeah. natural births, like at home. Yeah, love that. That's the way to do things. <laughs> There's a YouTube video of someone doing it in the river. Yes, yeah. that's that's kind of true, true nature. That's beautiful. That's cool. Yeah, it is really cool. <laughs> I have a couple last questions for okay. you, and this has been fantastic. Okay, it's just going to get spicier and spicier. Mm -hmm. So you better be ready. Okay. What do you think about when you think about God? What comes to mind when you think about God? Like, what do you mean? Like what I picture, what like, yeah. What do you think of when you think about God? I think it depends. I think that it depends. Let me tell you what it depends on. It depends on what season I'm in, how I'm praying, what I'm praying for, what I just read in scripture. So we change what experience. Yeah. He, he is like, he is omnipresent, omnipotent. Like he is not going to be defined to a box. And we say he, because Jesus was a man, but we say he, because which I don't know why we say he, like, I think that that is like, I, I believe that he possesses both masculine and feminine attributes, but I think, well, we say he, cause he's a father, you know, like that's a male. And there's been times that I've pictured a spirit. So like a whimsical, like presence. Um, there's been times that I feel like he acts as a fire and refines and burns away things that don't need to be there. 
there's times I picture him. Well, I don't know. I think that when we picture him, I like look at nature because he is nature. I think like he can be a cleansing rain that kind of washes things away. Um, he can be the sun, you know, like I don't not saying he is that, but like when I'm picturing things, I think it changes dependent, like, or sometimes I do picture a father, like what would it look like to be in a father's arms when I'm hurting or when I need comfort or, you know, like, I think that it can just be different. And some people find, some people say that they, you know, feel closest to God in nature. Some people feel closest to God when they're with their family or in, you know, the ocean, you know, and I think that the reason people have such different answers is because like he is the creator and his, his creation should always point back to him. And so I think it's, it's a different thought, but I'm just going to say this, like it's dangerous when people start worshiping the creation itself and they really need to be worshiping the creator and so we're admiring creation not because of creation itself like we're not worshiping the trees or the sun or the moon or the ground or whatever or animals we are marveling at his creation because he is the creator of all the beautiful is that a good answer is that a better answer than yeah, it depends just, okay. well, it just depends okay it depends on yeah all my feelings who you ask <laughs> no oh. um well, cool. Any any final thoughts? Anything you want to share to all my followers, my the plethora of followers that um, loyal loyal to the No, I think all these things are really good that you know to have conversation about. And everything I'm saying, like it's not the end all, y'all. Like I guess I guess that's what I would say is I would I would encourage people to explore themselves, all of these different topics, whether it's the Lord or medicine or because I think that. If you just take people's word as like gospel or as truth without finding out yourself, you can get in a dangerous spot. Mm -hmm. I think you need to explore and go on that trial and error journey to like ask the Lord, to like reveal truth mm -hmm. because he will, you know, like he is the author. Of truth. And so I would encourage people to do that. On them. Yeah. So she, she pointed at me when she said trial and error, because my, my specialty is, is the trial and error process of, and it works for you. of learning mm -hmm. and it works. It's, it's slower than one might hope, but it, it okay. eventually you, I'm on my own time, you know, yeah. I'm in the exact place I need to be and slowly and surely keep learning. I think it's important to be on the trial and error. Like if you're not trying new things, I mean, I would agree. If you're not trying new things, if you're not pushing your comfort zone, and that's something I always try to do is change, like talk to new people, read new books, try to change my, my thinking. And if you know me, you know, I've changed. Like I go through phases pretty much every, like once a week, I'll have something new that I'm you know, doing and thinking about uh, incorporating into my routine. But the things that work stick and they've stuck a lot more lately. And I've loved it. I love it every step of the journey. But it's exciting. A, it's fun. It's fun. It's wild. You never know what's going to happen. It's true. You never One know. day I like sweaters. Next day, I'm, you know, going shirtless, going shirtless, climbing trees, doing dances in the park, going to just all over the place. I yeah. never know what I'm going to get when I pick up, when I see Brooke Ellis on my phone and I answer. One day I'm going to medical school, the next day I'm not. Like, it's <laughs> it's a long journey. I think part of that journey is, has been listening to, not my emotions, but finding deep down what God is telling me to do. What my purpose overall is to do on this earth. Where can people find you? Um, I guess social media. Yeah. I have a business Instagram and a personal one. You can also just text or call me. I don't care. What's Email your, me. What's your number? No, I'm not going to put my number out here. <laughs> you said text. So Kokoro Sports. Performance. Performance. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com. 
Yeah, actually, there's a website. She has a website. And as and as I go through school, I'm trying to add more Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, Eastern information, so that people can learn more about it instead of it being this woo woo like, what is it again? You know, like trying mm. to put like words to things. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, thank you. This is great. Thank this you. is fun. Yeah. Long hour. No, it, it was short. It, it flew by. Right by. It flew by. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you. We'll have to do it again soon. Yeah. And come back to Fayetteville. Yeah. All right.